quick note about this episode. I was a dummy and lost our side of the recording, so we had to use Kevin's backup recording of this episode. Thank you so much, Kevin, for making that, even though I told you not to. But because of this, Annie, Chris, and I, our audio quality isn't as good as it usually is, but we are still perfectly understandable. I'm sorry about my goof up. But grab your pink sweater and your beer bong. We're going to be talking about Oh Kappa My Kappa. Welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 106. You're listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast waystation for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I'm Chris. And in this episode, we are going back to season one, episode three, My Kappa My... No, O Kappa My Kappa. My Kappa O Kappa? Let's let's rename it while we're at it. <laughs> We've got a lot of Kappas. Let's add another. <laughs> Which is is a, a Kenzie-rific episode. She has a very fun, entertaining storyline. So not surprisingly, it's a favorite episode of our friend Kevin Batchelder's. And he was was had the time to take to join us for this conversation. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you. Always a blast getting to talk to you, ladies. And Kevin is over at the Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV family of podcasts, including his own Lost Girl podcast called The Fae Files. What episode are you up to now over there? Is it Fae Day? Yes, getting late in season one. Okay, yep. so he's he's taking a, a very a leisurely a leisure. stroll. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Back through the episode. Do you think you're going to finish before we get to the end of season five? Probably not, huh? Probably not, but goals are good, so I'm pushing as hard as I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to dream, right? It's a dream is a good yes. word for it, yes. <laughs> well, Kevin has a very heavy podcasting schedule, so it's understandable that it's more of a leisurely stroll through the old episodes. Yeah, a good a it's good kind excuse. Of to join us. <laughs> so Chris said you had a drink special for us for this episode. I'm, I'm curious to hear what it is. It doesn't matter what it is as long as you chug it. <laughs> <laughs> is that literally the name? Perfect. <laughs> that's not the name. That's she's just saying it's drink just whatever you want. As oh, long as you oh chug I thought it. that was the name. Of course I'm naive enough to believe that's the name. <laughs> no, because they're in the sorority and there's the sorority party that involves chugging. Do I have to drink it through, through like a funnel and <laughs> yeah, that big tubing? Yeah. <laughs> don't have to, but it is encouraged. Okay. <laughs> I've never done that. Have any of you done that? No, no. It just I was thinking me out. No. Long, long previous life. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have a name when you do is, that. Uh, is it like a, a beer bong? Is that is that a beer bong? I Kevin, guess I was no. thought it was. No? I don't know. Th- what is a beer bong? I'm 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 not sure. Okay, that was that, the <laughs> memories of that age are, are a little lost and fuzzy <laughs> because of because of the chugging, probably. <laughs> that and other substances, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I went to a college known for those substances. I can <laughs> more for that than for education. Mm-hmm. I was the most boring college student ever, so I never went to any parties. I didn't either, as a college student. The college student. I'm also the most boring person ever and just generally don't go to parties. I saved my chugging for about age 23, 24, 25. And then anyway, I never chugged. We won't speak of that time. (laughs) (laughs) Much like the girls at the sorority were oversharing already. 
Yes, <laughs> exactly. College, and I've been pretty boring since. So I will <laughs> say, I totally remember. I do totally remember touching boobs at that time period. So unlike Kenzie, who was uncertain, I'm very certain. <laughs> and I am not so going to answer was, that. I was, I was then, so. <laughs> okay. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> she isn't even Love drinking. Our oversharing. I, don't know, I don't know where this is coming from. The oversharing. I'm just happy. Just happy. So I guess let's... It is good coffee. Yes, it is. Let's dive in, I guess, and, and talk about... Uh, what aspect do we want to talk about first? We want to talk about Kinsey and the sorority first, just because we, we're kind of already there already? I think so. I think okay. that sounds good. Okay. So Kenzie as a sorority girl, like, you knew that kind of thing was coming when we got this goth girl. You knew they were going to put her in pink eventually. Uh, and that she was going to hate it. <laughs> it's, it's, that's why it's so great to go back to it, because that early on, we were only a couple episodes in, and, and now she is such the goth girl that it just makes it really stand out to go back to it. But I like the the different ways that they have approached this case in this episode, right? We have Kinsey infiltrating the sorority, and that is a lot of, like, fun laughs and giggles. And I was actually a little relieved that even though they had kind of the stereotypical sorority girls, kind of creepy, that they turned out to be completely benign. Aside from the drinking. Aside, well, that's, that's not <laughs> evil. Who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not saying it's evil. I'm saying I don't know that I'd consider it as, you know, benign. Kenzie was pretty hungover. <laughs> but co- compared never mind, to never mind. <laughs> moving on, moving on. They didn't suck people's innards out, Chris, is what I'm getting at. Oh. <laughs> on the scale, pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh on a scale of, of benign to evil. <laughs> yes. Oh. Then yeah. Yes, They're they weren't doing anything. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were just uh, underage drinking, but not even because it's Canada. So you just have to be 18. Mm, that's true. Mm. Beer bad. Sorry, Buffy reference. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but can we talk about the Buffy references? I have like a, an overwhelming. This really feels like an episode of Buffy to me. It's it's like rough tub boy with a little <laughs> dose of go fish, just a little. <laughs> Plus that episode of Veronica Mars where she goes undercover at the sorority. Oh yeah, that too. That's, That's what too. I was thinking about when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Did you notice uh, Kenzie's name on the student ID too? What did it say? It was Kenzie Summersby. See, <laughs> see, and there's also this shot when when they're approaching the sorority house, and it's like Bo and Kenzie, uh, like out in like a parking lot kind of area on a sidewalk, and then it it goes from them, and there's the shot that then moves underground. There's that exact same shot in the first episode of Buffy. Oh yep. yeah, up with at uh, Sunnydale, and then it moves down to where the hell what was his name? Lucas, the master. Yeah, Lucas. I think it was Lucas. His that vampire's name who was like chanting for the master. Mm. So this one is screams Buffy to me, though I will say, as a a huge Buffy fan, this episode better than either Goldfish, Go Fish, not Goldfish. <laughs> Very different episode. <laughs> Once again, Stephanie is not drinking anything other than coffee. Buffy chases down delicious cheddar flavored <laughs> <laughs> which is a huge age into. <laughs> but this episode of Vampire. <laughs> I would say is better than either Goldfish. I did it again. <laughs> chug, chug. Better than uh-huh. GoFish or Reptile Boil. I think both of those episodes have things that are pleasing about them, but on the whole, very much like, you know, B minus Buffy episodes for me. Well, it is early seasons Buffy, and that's pretty rough around the edges and spots. That True. is fair. Yes. True. Mm-hmm. 
since we're doing comparisons, I gotta ask, as far as like beefcake goes, do we take Xander coming out of the pool or Dyson, you know, chopping the head off and standing <laughs> over him all shirtless? That's a great shot, uh, Chris Holden Ray. <laughs> Uh, I gotta go with Dyson, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I would be better if he was emerging from the pool all wet and dripping, but... And wearing a Speedo. And wearing a Speedo, but I, I, I agree. <laughs> Kevin, weigh in. <laughs> uh, I'll just say that, uh, Bo is rocking the, rocking the black t-shirt in this episode. That's what I'll go with. Yes. You are not the only person who appreciates the security outfit. Who yeah. doesn't? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hello? Yes. <laughs> I do love the people who cosplay as security bow. Obviously, it's one of the most popular bow costumes. Well, it's one of the easier bow costumes. Yeah, you That's get a black because sh- that that has such a homemade feeling to it. Anyway, I feel like maybe they're they got a little short in the costume budget. This bow episode. is cosplaying as a security guard. <laughs> she is. <laughs> She is. And that's another reference to Buffy low-budget approach, too. (laughs) Wayne got a full-on kind of uniform, but she just got a security shirt. Maybe because it was sexier. Because uniforms, they don't tend to fit very well around the chest area on women. Well, you remember by the end of the episode, she does have, like, the windbreaker. Ah, but still, not a uniform shirt. She just has a t-shirt. That they went to like Zazzle and ordered that. (laughs) (laughs) Go get the the little iron on letters at the local crafts shop. And yeah. Yeah. And it's even like a size too small. Not that I'm complaining. It was a very tight shirt. Mm -hmm. I don't know that the, the ref, the Buffy things are necessarily references. I feel like maybe they might be, especially that shot that moves from above ground to underground. But I, I do have a strong feeling that this was a, a, a an intentional reference where Bo is talking to Dyson in like the file room. He's like, I looked through the back files and I didn't really find anything. And she says to him, what about your spooky files? Hmm. I think that's a re- X-Files reference very deliberately. But that's me. Yep. No, I thought same thing. Spooky Mulder and all that. So definitely. Mm-hmm. Sounds legit. Because, because, but I feel like it's like a more clever, more insider reference. Because if she said X Files, a lot of people would have gotten that. But you have to actually have seen the show to know about the spooky Mulder nickname. Mm-hmm. It is very, it's very winky. Yes, it's winky. Chris just winked. It was very creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> was anybody else a little surprised though about the outfit that Kenzie wore to the sorority house? It's particularly like the khaki pants. I feel like she would have worn something a little more fitted and sexy. Uh, I don't know. She was trying to blend in here, so I don't know. It it seemed natural. Okay. I mean, at least to me. Not that I've been to many sororities. Keep in mind that this is Kenzie playing what she thinks these people are. Okay. She keeps talking about how they're, you know, for preppies, those girls can hang or whatever it is she says. So I love that line. I think Kenzie's shooting for what she thinks of as crappy, So I'm 100% behind Bo, though, when she says you look like you are, what, what is it, like campaigning for the young conservatives or something yes. like something that? Like yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the khaki pants that really do it. If she was wearing different pants, I feel like she'd look less like that. Well, it's like a, a combination of the khaki pants, of a combination of the khaki pants and a cardigan. Mm, that's the key. Like a pink cardigan. But cardigans, I thought, were hip now. Are they not hip anymore? It depends on the style of cardigan, I feel like. Okay. <laughs> Chris has cardigan knowledge. <laughs> well, because <laughs> Never mind. Goes with the knitting knowledge, right? That's yeah. true. Because <laughs> it was one of the cardigans that, like, has the buttons all the way up, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, those are more... Uh, those are less and, hip? And Annie's laughing at me now. Yes. Okay. I, I think so. Okay. Right? Because, like, the V-neck cardigan sort of, like, the cooler of the okay. cardigans. I'm going to get... 
so made fun of for this. <laughs> I can feel it coming already. No, I'm just totally enjoying your your breadth of knowledge about cardigans. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really a breadth of knowledge. It's just it's personal opinions, apparently. Is it a cupcake okay. of knowledge? <laughs> <laughs> a cupcake of knowledge. I was say. <laughs> a, a muffin. <laughs> Muffin top of knowledge? Oh. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Sorted. Oh, Call me. It wasn't me. Might have been me. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Oh, Made in heaven snort. <laughs> we only just started. Get it together, Kev. Get it together. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. So, highlights of Kinsey and the sorority. I, I, I enjoy the, the chug, chug, chug. <laughs> of course. And, and also the secret legacy handshake. <laughs> oh, you West Coast version. <laughs> West Coast version. <laughs> I love that that was the response because that response makes no sense. The <laughs> only thing I could think of is maybe they're thinking it's more like street. <laughs> <laughs> and that's West. I don't know. I have no idea what that means either. Oh, I mean, I, I thought that she thought that Kenzie was joking. Oh, yeah, she did. Okay. That, yeah, but that's yeah, what I'm saying. No, beyond but that, wh- I But why know. she called that, you know, oh, you West Coast girls, like, attributed it to that, I have no idea. We no do crazy senses of humor. <laughs> Maybe that's just how they do it in Vancouver. I don't know. I guess. But, oh, isn't the, in this episode, isn't the sorority house the same ex- establishing shot that they use for Kasima's apartment on Orphan Black? I don't know. Ooh. I have to go rewatch now. I yeah. think maybe it is. You know, this is very much obviously the Kenzie episode. I mean, we have some of the probably most famous or often repeated quotes that come from this episode too. That certainly just really make it such a uh, a favorite of mine and for a lot of folks. I, I can't think of this episode without thinking of, for example, her happy dance near the beginning when she discovers Dyson. This is the first occurrence of toothpaste, footlocker, <laughs> footlocker. <laughs> I'm really hoping we'll get another toothpaste footlocker before the end of the series, we but it's looking slim. Yeah. Well, it's looking slim. Yeah, We've only got know. eight episodes left, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, that is if some of that If they did do another one, who do you think could say it at this point? Tamsin's been living there too long now. Well, I think everybody who's there knows where the toothpaste and the footlocker is, so yeah. Somebody will have to lose their memory. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> or they could maybe do a variation, I guess, and have the toothpaste have moved. I was going to say, that would be a good, another possibility is Kenzie comes back and somehow, somehow the, oh, the toothpaste has yeah. been moved. And so then Kenzie will have to inquire after the toothpaste. Oh, like she's looking in the footlocker and she's like, toothpaste? Yes. Medicine cabinet. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> I don't think they have a if, medicine if, cabinet. Well, I was going to say, like, if they actually did some repairing of the crack house, which they kite crack house. <laughs> clubhouse. <laughs> Crack Shack, Clubhouse, Crack House. I don't know what's wrong with me to get day. I'm sorry, you guys. Club Shack. <laughs> if they remodeled the Club Shack, like like Bo started doing with the tiny little paint roller, maybe they'll get a medicine cabinet. And she totally has to add some some goldfish in too, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're delicious snacks, Kevin. <laughs> But you're right. There, there are great classic Kenzie lines in this episode. We got the Footlocker and her happy dance, which is—is is it a Snoopy dance? I, I wouldn't classify it as a Snoopy dance. dance. No, because no. she doesn't no, really no. do this. It's, right? It's no. like a 
It's her own version of it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more gyrating than yeah. in a stupid dance. There's a hip thing. I, I can't do it in a chair, so I just look like I'm kind of bouncing. <laughs> but... <laughs> oh, we also get uh, Kenzie on the phone while she's hula hooping. That is just... I'm super curious if that was Ksenia's idea or if it was, like, written to the script or the director's idea. But, like, why is Kenzie hula hooping while on the phone? Just because. Just Why the hell wouldn't she be? <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a very Kenzie thing to do. Like, she just she's just this little ball of energy so that she couldn't sit still and talk on the phone. She had to be hula hooping while on the phone. Exactly. Hula hooping takes talent. I can't do it. Try to Try to do it while you're doing something else like talking? Yeah. 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 That's a challenge. Fun fact, I once... I can't remember if I tied or if I won a hula hooping competition in like kindergarten. <laughs> I came second place in a yo-yo competition when I was like 10, if we're going to brag. Cool. <laughs> I won a small Casio keyboard. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> nice. So yo-yos, that's something <laughs> That's something that's not in this episode. Uh, <laughs> Imagine how much better the episode would have been if there'd been yo-yos. <laughs> Somebody's seriously thinking about it. I was trying to make some sort of sex joke out of it, but it just, the wheels were spinning. Like a yo-yo? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) No, I was trying to think like, well, is that what, you know, Bo and Dyson were doing? But I didn't think that would work. So no sex joke. (laughs) Give it time. I'll come back to it maybe later. I feel like the moment is past. (laughs) But does anybody feel like at the, at the kind of the conclusion of the sorority storyline when they are about to go into the room in the basement. I feel like Kenzie would have tried to be more at the back of a group if she was so scared about what was in the room. Center. Yeah. That doesn't make as nice a shot. Yeah. Yeah. She was kind of trying to break in, so she was in the front, so they just pushed her through. It's not like she had a choice. Well, and if she's the noob, wouldn't they want to... Well, she wasn't the only pledge, though. There were other pledges. But the pledges, yeah. Yeah, but she was the coolest one, so... So clearly, clearly. (laughs) With her wig all askew. Yes. (laughs) Why would you wear a wig because of psoriasis? I have that question. Why is that a reason to wear a wig? That's a genuine question. Anybody? Ideas? I think it's just the first thing that came to her brain when it happened. So Fair enough. Fair enough. Much like making up the handshake, she was just going with it. Typical Kenzie style. I guess if it's like scalp situation, though, the wig would cover the scalp, too. So, Well, my mom has psoriasis on her scalp, but she doesn't wear a wig. But it's Kenzie. (laughs) I don't know. Trying to apply logic to an illogical situation. (laughs) Maybe sometimes psoriasis makes people's hair fall out? Maybe? I don't know. Okay. Look it up. I've seen this episode so many times. This is the stuff that I'm now thinking about. I'm not surprised at all. (laughs) I know you well enough. I am not remotely surprised. It's also it's also great to see how happy Kenzie gets when Dyson shifts into a wolf. <laughs> oh. Holy shit ball. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was awesome. <laughs> Every time I see this episode, I forget that they don't know that that's what his thing is. Mm-hmm. Like I just I never remember and then they're all, "So what is your deal?" <laughs> like, how do you not know? Oh wait. <laughs> this is episode 3. Yeah, cuz I guess they Bo had seen his eyes kind of get you know, wolfy. And oh, I think maybe he go, yeah. he gets a little fangy when he lunges at her in the first episode. Right. But I think as the audience... It could mean a number of things. Exactly. We as the audience weren't even sure. It's like, okay, he shifts a little, but what does that mean? Concept of him being a wolf shifter isn't clear until this episode. He's not a wolf in this episode, though. He's a fluffy dog. You tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something actually that Chris Holden reads has kind of complained about. He's like, I wish we could get a wolf 
I don't want to be a dog. <laughs> <laughs> fluffy husky. Yeah, right? a fluffy husky. Said it, comic loser. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful dog, but not a wolf. And she also gets excited about the wolf truck. Oh, yes. Classic line. Because twice, because she, they're talking about, you know, if I was going to make a big deal out of it, how big of a deal are we talking here? <laughs> and I, <laughs> but I like her reasoning for asking was, he's Faye. It's for science. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Of course it is. There's no other reason Kenzie could possibly want to know. <laughs> but she gets to see for herself later on. Mm-hmm. She gets to have it for a while. Because <laughs> I'm That's guessing, true. again, this is, this is where I am I am at with this episode. So his clothes obviously fall to the, you know, he takes off his clothes to shift into a wolf. But then his pants are on later. So I'm guessing he shifted back into a person and then put his pants on before he rushed in to knock the head off of that guy? Apparently. Okay. Yeah. That's where the wolf junk was seen? Yeah. Since this wasn't pay cable, he kind of had to. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it seems Dyson does not wear underwear. Well, you know, it's just another layer he has to... He could possibly lose if he suddenly has to shift into a wolf. See, these are the things I think about when we're watching. <laughs> hmm, Dyson does not have underpants. Somebody's <laughs> uh. face popping. You use the least sexiest word ever. <laughs> Do you wear underpants, Dyson? <laughs> no. <laughs> Please talk in dude voice for the rest of the episode. <laughs> no. Fine. But we also, I think, see the beginnings of, like, Kenzie really starting to like Dyson in this episode. And Dyson maybe to sort of, I don't know, get to know Kenzie a little bit. I was surprised that she had his phone number to call him when that thing happened with Bo where the call dropped. But you notice he thinks it's Bo calling. So did Kenzie find Bo's phone? Yeah, I think she found her phone and called him from it because his number would be in there. Good point. I just wasn't sure. Dyson, you know, he used a flip phone up through season three. So I didn't know, like my father who doesn't know how <laughs> to put contacts say. in his phone. <laughs> it's possible he just saw a number and was like, oh, it must be Bo. Also possible. But I, I forget. We Don't we see Kenzie finding Bo's phone? I don't think so. No, I think we just see it fall oh. when when she gets taken by the security. Yeah. Guy. Uh, okay. Yeah. Because how would Kenzie know where the sinkhole was? I guess Bo could have showed her. She does talk about it with Kenzie. The, well, they parted the ways in the forest, like on the trail. Because mm-hmm. Kenzie's like, I'm going to go back this way. And Bo's like, oh, I'm going to go investigate here. So, so she just kept walking and maybe found the phone. It's possible. Mm-hmm. No, it is. I, it is. Yeah, she could have been using her phone to call Bo's phone and hear it ringing on the ground. Oh, good point, Kevin. Yeah. See, this is why we're here. <laughs> this is why we needed you <laughs> to talk me through... <laughs> These ridiculous Logic. little. How did that happen? Stephanie has nitpicks. <laughs> to be fair, like so it doesn't it doesn't uh, interfere with my enjoyment of the episode at all. I think this is a really well written episode and things flow really well. But you know, you've watched it a number of times. Wait a minute, how did? Yeah. No, I know. So and so do this. So yeah, you tend to go back as a fan after you've, like you said, you see so many layers. After a while, your brain now starts looking for things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Now, it was rather, I thought it was, at the time, certainly, first time through, rather ominous when uh, Trick starts coming down hard on Dyson for getting so close to Bo. Yeah, that was, this was a tough episode for me when I first watched it. It was a tough episode for me mm-hmm. because I was really liking Dyson and Bo, and I thought they were super adorable. They are so cute in uh, that opening scene. They are so cute. But then Dyson pulls this jerk move mm-hmm. on Bo because of Trick, yep. and... It, it is really revealing to see the type of influence that Trick has over Dyson here. 
Well, it's one of those weird things because, like, you can kind of see that Dyson regrets doing it, but it's still like, like, what a terrible method of doing that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there are ways to distance yourself from somebody without, you know, getting somebody else involved, for one thing. Poor Kayla. Poor I feel Kayla. bad for her. Yeah. Well, she certainly was coming on strong to him anyway, so. Yeah, I have to I have to ding her a few points for that move that she pulled when Bo was sitting right there. Like that's kind of not cool. No, I know, but it's <laughs> that doesn't make it better. No, that no, Dyson, no. Like, Dyson used her. No, of course. But I because then Bo shows up and then he immediately ditches. I Kayla, know. I know. He yeah. Who clearly liked him. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's still a jerk move, Dyson. <laughs> yeah, it serves the story, but we don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Knowing what we know now about Trek, do we think that his intentions here were based totally on the fact that he was worried about winning Bo's trust? Or do you think there was also, that's my granddaughter, buddy, involved as well? See, I can't, personally, I can't think about the granddaughter side because that was a real cruel way for Dyson to do it. I, I, I find that hard to believe. Right. I just think at this point they're playing the bigger story arc of, you know, we've got secrets that she doesn't know. She hasn't picked a side. And at this point, they're probably thinking that, hey, eventually everybody picks a side. So we got to make sure it's us. So I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't see that granddaughter part, certainly not in the rewatches. So I'm a little a little confused. Yeah, I can't tell because the way he phrases it is like, we don't know if we can trust her yet. And I mean, there's, I think, sort of a legitimate concern there since you know, Trick isn't sure, apparently, isn't sure who her father is and doesn't know where she's been. And I don't know. I can't tell where exactly, not where, but I can't tell what his motivations are. Motivations, intentions. I can't tell what his angle is. Mm -hmm. Well, it's more disconcerting for me to see Dyson so kind of sort of willingly go along with what Trick wants him to do. But now that we know the history between Trick and Dyson and how Dyson pledged himself to Trick so long ago and how long they've been together. It's like he's still, Dyson's still reluctant to do it, but he'll still go ahead with what Trick suggests and because he's pledged to him. So now that we know that, it kind of puts a different angle on it, but still it's kind of messy and not so cool how Dyson does it. Do we think Trick might have worried that Bo was make-believing that she didn't know who her parents were and perhaps was an agent of them because of the bad blood between him and, and Aoife. Like maybe Bo had come there to get revenge for her mother and was playing this like innocent act to get him to trust her. Mm. It is not something that ever crossed my mind, but it could have not been the realm of possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that whole idea that up to this point, every Faye has picked a side. So I think it's that whole concern about, She's in cahoots with the Morgan. She's trying to find info on us, whatever. This just doesn't make any sense. You know, we got to be paranoid about it rather than actually giving it a serious thought that it could be legit. So I, I just think it's more so the this is just very unusual and therefore we're not sure how to deal with it. That's fair. I guess that idea maybe popped into my head because he has that statement about, you know, she is the first Faye to go dark because of revenge. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if maybe. He could have been thinking about his daughter in that moment. I certainly assume so. I mean, every time I've seen it after the reveal, it's right. like, oh, that's probably what that's in reference to. Right. I agree, Kevin. This is just a really cruel way for Dyson to have handled the situation. And and I wonder if 
he just really thought it was necessary to be that cruel if he just couldn't see a different way to do it. I don't know. I can see about 12 other ways he could have done it, but I don't know what Dyson's thought process was. I always wonder if he like intends it to be kind of cruel to make sure it sticks, but then that doesn't make any sense with what he does after that. Cause then he like goes and chases after her, yeah, which is incongruous with what we just saw. So exactly. I, I don't get it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it was too much. It, it, it presented itself as an opportunity for a way to accomplish what he needed to do. And I, I'm wondering if he just did it in the, in the moment and then thought this was, this was too much. I went a little too hard. Cause I mean, like you said, through. The point of when that happens, we're really starting to think he's got some genuine affection for her. And this is obviously going to put more than just a little bump in the relationship. It's going to put a big divide. So, which obviously that's what Trick wants, but I'm not sure Dyson wants it uh, as, you know, witnessed by his whole point of, no, I'm, I've got it covered. It's under control kind of thing. So I think he was starting to have feelings, but realize he needed to keep somewhat of a distance there. So I think maybe it's more of a, a guy thing of, oh, look, there's a perfect way to create this right here, right now. And uh, not thinking about what the real ramification of it would be. So you think it's maybe partially because he had such, he was getting to have such strong feelings for her. It was equally for him. A little cold feet. As well feet. as for her. Yeah, a little cold feet. Yeah. Of, he started out with, okay, I'll keep a distance. But then he's really starting to realize, wow, I might be potentially falling for this girl. I, I can't just talk it out and say, let's, let's cool our jets. I have to do something that's going to force her to push me away. Hmm. Good thought. Interesting. Annie? Sometimes that is a very guy way of thinking. No yeah. offense, Kevin. Well, no, no, but, it's but it's not, and it's not so much thinking; it's a guy reaction, you know. The, it, yeah, the you jerk, knee jerk reaction. Yeah, and it's hard because as an audience, we really like that. You know, we want to like Dyson up to this point, and then you're all, oh, well, that was. Yeah, you're going to be a jerk about it, you know. Yeah, but it's interesting knowing there will be a triangle later. Even as an audience member, you're like, well, who do we trust? Who do we know? You know. Because mm-hmm. we don't know Lawrence's motivations, I, we don't know Dyson's, and all these people are kind of clamoring for Bo's loyalty. And it's it's smart, though, in a way, even if it's done in a jerk move, how the show doesn't make everything crystal clear and hand everything to you, spoon-fed to go, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy. As, you know, as we see, even from the beginning, the light fade doesn't mean that they're necessarily pure intentions. I don't know that I feel like Trick is out of line. I... I do I'm bothered by how Dyson lets him sort of dictate what he does, but I do think that Trick actually brings up some good points because he does say to him, "You're having sex with this woman, and you know information that she doesn't know. You know, so I, I do think he's he's wise and fair to point that out. That aspect, the fact that Dyson is hiding this thing from Bo, mm-hmm. and how is she going to feel when she finds out that? Right, one thing to hide it just as friends, another to hide it." When you're having such an intimate relationship with someone. Yeah. But it makes me so sad, y'all. They are so cute in that first scene. <laughs> that's why they do it. <sighs> and that's so why cute. the actors are so good at it. Because, yes, we're talking about rooting for it big time. Still have a bit of a headache. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. I love that moment. It's like, okay, I mean, I'm fine now. Really? You can go. <laughs> no, stay. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to stay, there's this other thing. <laughs> That I just made up. <laughs> and it, and that, that opening scene, the song that's playing during that scene, I really love. It's by You Say Party, We Say Die, I believe is the name of the band. The song title is kind of strange. It's like there's XXXX and then something in parentheses. I forget what's in the parentheses, but it's a great song. In My Heart, I think, was the rest of it. Something in My Heart. There's a W word at the very first of the parentheses, but 
I can't remember. Something like that. But it's a great song. I like it a lot. It is good. And this one also has a, a song by Stars and Crosses that I like when Bo and Kenzie are eating breakfast. It's called Got Me Alternative Version by Stars and Crosses, <laughs> which only seems to be available. I've been trying to buy this thing legally. I've been trying to buy this thing legally for probably about a year. It only seems to be available on the, this is how old school, on their MySpace page, but it's <sighs> not available for download. You can just play it. Interesting. Yeah. If there are any Canadians who are going to be at Dragon Con, if you have legally bought this album, Stephanie would Stephanie like to will buy it from you <laughs> at Dragon Con. <laughs> the thing is, I don't know that it's on an album. I think oh. they just released it as like a little B-side type of thing because it's the alter- alternate version. I haven't been able to find it. But if anybody has it, I would I would be very, very grateful. But I was in rewatching this episode and like the Bow and Dyson stuff. I find that scene between Bo and Kenzie at the end where it feels like Kenzie is trying to talk Bo into to kind of pursue a relationship with him. Do you do you have that same impression or is it do you feel like Kenzie's being just trying to be encouraging, supportive? Maybe a little of both. A little of both. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's being a little bit like, he's really hot. You should totally date him. Yeah. <laughs> but I think she also picks up on the fact that Bo really likes him and Bo's yeah. excited about this. Like, I can have a relationship with this guy and not kill him. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And especially when Kenzie sees him and what he does to save Bo, I think that that closes the loop of, yeah, okay, I'll give him my blessing now. You know, go for it. You know? Right. Yeah. Because I've always felt like the, the Bo Dyson romance in this first season, at least, is kind of it's like Bo's first relationship. It's kind of like this this high school kind of fairy tale romance. That conversation between the two of them has that same vibe to me. Like I, I feel like I might have had that conversation when I was about sixteen <laughs> in high school. Like, oh, you totally love him. You should go tell him that you love him. <laughs> it's new and exciting, and he didn't die. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's part of it. Is she's been up to this point now has had to keep her distance to realize what the effect of, of having a physical relationship. So she's never been able to have that emotional side with someone. So it is very much, I think, to her, a certain degree, a, a, I don't know if I want to say first love, but certainly a very young love. So it's a bit corny and sappy, and we all tend to, you know, kind of do our tilt your head and go, oh, kind of thing to it. Yeah. Because you know? so. I think she even says, I feel like a teenager mm-hmm. in that scene between her and Kenzie. I was going to say, and that's thing, something that, that I think is really nice and, and special, certainly about the early part of the, the storyline, is along with that that almost innocent love that's kind of developing here, you've got great chemistry and sexual chemistry between the people, too. And you don't often get both of those together in a relationship on screen. So it's really nice to see that. You know, you can really see both parts of it very much, even in, just in this one episode. Anna Silk is magic. <laughs> no, because there's this, like, this, just this sort of like earnestness to yeah. everything that she yeah. does that yeah. makes everything have that quality, and I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. While sometimes there is a bit of a a teenagery first romance quality, it, there's some very adult chemistry going on there. Yes, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> well, it's not like she doesn't know what she's doing, even if she doesn't know anything. <laughs> naked chemistry i like that chris <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> but i and i will say i appreciate when Bo and dyson have the confrontation after she catches him with kayla i like that Bo calls him out on trying to be like oh i thought this was clear that that's what the situation was 
dick move, Dyson, A. But I like that she didn't, wasn't just like, oh, I feel so dumb because I didn't yeah. understand that. She was like, no, 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 we were not clear about that, but we are now. Thank you very much. Yeah. Mm. I'm very strong. I you like tell that. tell him, Bo. Yeah. Very yeah. strong without being rude or whatever. It's just, no, no, dude, mm-hmm. you got it wrong and here's why, but fine. You know, I like that. Yeah. It was, you know, oftentimes someone does something like that and you get nothing but name calling and, and finger wagging. But this was very much, I'm, you know, I'm pissed off, but I'm fine. I'm strong. Your loss. Yeah. It is very much a, I'm standing up for myself. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I especially see that when it's, when it's the woman put in that situation where they just will, they won't call the guy out on it. They'll just kind of slink away yeah. and feel like they acted like an idiot. Yeah, but I did do something wrong. Yeah. yeah. Right. Don't want to still want to see that. <laughs> this is a tough episode. Bo Dyson episode for me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel you. We'll, we'll go back to a, a line that I thought was kind of cute also in, in like a, it wouldn't be cute in any other circumstance, but because it's this show <laughs> when Kenzie's encouraging Bo to go talk to him and, and Bo's kind of like, Oh, it was just so much easier when they died. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like that. Exactly. <laughs> I, I like, I like that line a lot, a lot, but sometimes on rewatch, I think, is she maybe being more flippant? But because she, she kind of gets upset when Dyson tries to joke about it at the beginning of the episode, but here, but maybe it's just that now that she's seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, she can have more of a dark sense of humor about it. I do think it is one of those. Like, it's entirely situational. Right. I feel like where, yes, it's something that bothers her, but in in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. But I really like the way she delivers that line. It's a good line. Again, only because of this particular situation. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise disturbing. (laughs) Very serial killery, if not. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, that's very, very sociopathic (laughs) of you. Oh. (laughs) Something that that stood out to me when I was rewatching this time was how because this is the first time we really see Bo and Kenzie pursue taking a case they had kind of a case of a week in episode two but that was somebody came to them and was you know dangling this I have information for you to get them to do it but now Kenzie has made flyers but now there's flowers flyers <laughs> not flowers flyers flowers and so we see them talking with Gina's mom and I think it was actually really smart that this was the first case that they took because their reaction to Gina's mom, I think, paints the characters really distinctly from each other. Mm-hmm. And we get Kenzie, who's like, I started running away at age 10. Sometimes people just don't want to be at their house. Mm-hmm. And then Bo, she also ran away from a, a difficult situation with her mother, but she's trying to find her parents. So she has like a, she can empathize with, with Gina's mom wanting to find her daughter. I liked Gina's mom. Gina's mom was great. Gina's mom kind of reminded me of my mom. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird but i'm gonna tell the story anyway (laughs) in elementary school i was like so paranoid about getting sent to the principal's office like i don't know why i was a good kid (laughs) so but i was like very concerned about this like it was something that always bothered me like what if this happened and i remember at some point i told my mom i was really concerned about the possibility of this happening i was like what would you do if the principal's office called you and told you that i was in the office and Mom's like, I would tell them that they had the wrong kid. She's like, I know you. I know you wouldn't do anything that would be problematic. So that's why. <laughs> I know, right? Gina's mom reminds me of my mom because of that reason. So, like, no, I know you. I know that that's, you know, not something you'd do. So anyway. No, I liked Gina's mom a lot. And I liked how it, she seemed to be kind of a, you know, kind of a working class trying to send her, her daughter to college type and and, you know, there's that line that Wayne has about how he 
he's just so hateful, Wayne. He's just so hateful. Or he talks about, you know, I just, I get so much pleasure in like seeing these privileged bitches die or something like that. Yeah. And, and so I like that they established it at the beginning. Like not everybody who goes to these fancy prize schools are necessarily these privileged people who grow up having everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just allowed us to paint him even more as the bad guy. Yep. Stupid Wayne. Stupid Wayne. <laughs> Though I think that actor is great. Like he does a great job being a creepy guy. Right. Yes. And only like moderately creepy at the beginning mm-hmm. when you're not really supposed to know. But he's just like so enthusiastic about being a college campus security guard that I'm like, <laughs> something's wrong with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> what is up with him? Kind of like Ken, Kenzie's line about uh, when he, she met all the girls, something about, you know, if they can't be all this chipper unless something's evil afoot or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. First time I watched the episode when, when Dean Peretti comes to Wayne. And she says to him, we have to talk. And he says, yes, ma'am. Did you think for a second, like, oh, maybe the two of them are in on it together? I thought that was what we were supposed to think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was a nice lead in that direction. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I was thinking about when, when Bo was in Dean Peretti's office. <laughs> Which time? Uh, the, the, the sexy tingly touch time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That was just, anyway. <laughs> Get out. I didn't mean you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, but I think that also that is kind of an interesting moment for Bo in in that I you know she didn't like take advantage of that situation and or was way more focused on you know working her case than potential sexy times, right? But she, the dean snaps out of it pretty quickly. She's like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> what just happened? Let me call human resources." Mm-hmm. I, I guess that is a question we've had, right? Like, how long does the tingly touch effect? Linger. Yeah. Or maybe the, the rush of adrenaline from somebody walking in helped dissipate the tingly touch effect. Right. Yeah. What is it that can break that spell almost, you know, kind of thing? I have to question Dean Peretti, though, on her hairstyle choice. What is with that hairdo? <laughs> is that going back to like the 80s or Dynasty or something? It was looking pretty dated. <laughs> is anybody here a Harry Potter fan? Mildly. <laughs> I can't think of her name. All I got is Dumbledore, and I know that's a dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I know who you're talking about, Chris. <laughs> right, the the woman who comes in. I'll think of her name later when it won't matter anymore. But <laughs> yeah, but I, w- I was trying to figure out what was going on. It's like, are they trying to make the actress look older than she is? Like, what? Probably. What, what's happening with that hairdo? They're probably trying to go for like a uh, an austere look. Okay, a very but yeah, very strange hairstyle for for these this. This decade. <laughs> but I, I gotta say, I, I really like the Kappa as kind of a creepy fae creature. Super creepy. Yeah. That, cause I'm trying yeah. to remember, we had some creaturey stuff in the first episode, but this was, a, I think, the first big kind of makeup job they did on a fae creature. And I was really pleased with it, seeing it the first time. I thought, oh, that's, you know, that's good. That's good creature makeup. Yeah. Creepy. I mean, there was like headlessness in episode two. Yeah, but he still looked like a human being. So no, I know. Yeah, it was more of an effect than actual prosthetics and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I thought he was genuinely terrifying. Stuff spilled out of the top of his head and, you know. Oh, that was a fun shot. I like that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I remember watching it the first time and being like, oh, no, that's not okay. (laughs) (laughs) Even though you know it's fine, does anybody else go, when Wayne drinks the water from the pool? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
But yeah, this is this is just a really fun episode. I always enjoy going back and revisiting this one. It's so much fun. It is. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's hard not to get a big smile just thinking about the scenes from it. And Kenzie, stop stealing shit. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> They're on the phone. Mo hasn't seen a thing that Kenzie has done since she got there. And yet she knows that Kenzie is stealing shit at that moment. Yes. <laughs> Why wouldn't she? <laughs> But it is it is a good line because it's like these people have just met a couple episodes ago, but they're already they already know each other mm-hmm. that well. Yeah. And I like that we see them in this episode working in separate little story pockets, but they are working together and they like meet up and confer throughout the episode. So it's not just Kenzie tagging along after Bo. She has her own stuff that she's doing in this episode. It is a partnership. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So any other thoughts that you wanted you all wanted to talk about before we wrap up? Just a small one, but it, it again it reminds me anytime watching rewatching the first season episodes that I, how much I really like the opening theme that eventually goes away later in the show. I miss the credits. You know, the voiceover and all. I really, I don't know, maybe because it just reminds me of falling in love with the show and all, you know? Nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a good opening sequence, I think. No, I like the opening credits, but I, I do kind of feel like by season five, the narration wasn't a hundred percent accurate anymore. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I can I can see why they decided to move to what they did because it's much you get more time and it's it's expensive to reconstruct a credit sequence. So mm-hmm. it's, it's probably pretty cheap for them to replace it with the title card. But you're right. I do going back and hearing it's like, oh yeah, da You start dancing. I mean, it's not the 80s with a five-minute opening, but still, it's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Those credit sequences in the 80s took forever. <laughs> Ever, yes. You're, like, you're looking at your watch like, you were just to the second guy in the show. There's three more people. Yeah. You didn't have to sit down to watch your show till five past the hour, you know? Was, yeah. But no, it's just it's nice, like Chris said. It's nostalgia. It reminds you. I miss opening sequences. Not that they have to be five minutes long, but, you know... 15, yeah. 30 seconds, something like that. I appreciate a well-constructed sequence. Yeah. But they, they seem to be now just live on, like, the cable, the premium cha- channel. What? Let me try that again. <laughs> the premium <laughs> cable channel shows, like oh. HBO and, and Showtime and things like that, because they get a little longer running time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. But those, some of those have really beautiful opening credit sequences. But the rest of us, the rest of the shows, it seems like they've gotten cut down to just a title card. Is it weird that in this episode, Kenzie has the blonde wig with the bangs because now she's on Orphan Black with blonde hair and bangs? Her hair is much more similar to that now, isn't it? Yeah. The look, yes. But it looks way better in Orphan Black. It looks a lot better. Yeah. Yes. That was, that was not a great wig, but it shouldn't have been. Like, we needed to see that it was wiggy. Exactly. That's not a critique of the show. (laughs) It is wiggy. It is very wiggy, that wig. Especially when it goes askew. Yes. That wiggy. Wiggy. I was about to say that Wiggy is Wiggy. That doesn't make any sense. Edit that out, future Stephanie. (laughs) I think we need to wrap up. (laughs) We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. You can go and leave a comment on the show notes over at drinksatthedoll.com slash 106. You can send an email to feedback at drinksatthedoll.com. You can also call and leave a message on our listener voicemail line, 972 514-7223. Thank you so much, Kevin, for being here to to discuss this episode with with us. I'm sorry, we got giggly. (laughs) No, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's why it's so much fun to 
talk to you ladies and uh, always look forward to doing it. Do you want to let people know where they can find you online? Sure. Folks can find uh, our family of podcasts, if you're a fan of genre TV, over at tuningittosci-fi-tv.com. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks at the Doll. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I'm glad that now we know what Kevin Snort sounds like. Why is this Chris? Guess that won't be hit the editing floor, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers.